Would you like to hear a joke? Too bad. I am telling one anyway. Why did the robot chicken cross the road? He was programmed to. Ha ha ha. Don't expect anything that funny but Gabriel will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana June 30th to July 2nd. Syracuse, New York July 8th and 9. Louisville, Kentucky July 14th to 16th. For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Alright, we are recording. I am in a... I guess I'm in a different podcast studio. Uh, I am... uh... Not in Kia Rio Studios. I am in Toyota Sienna Studios. Uh, the Kia, you know what? It's, it, 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 something's wrong with it. It works, but the check engine light's on. It feels a little weird when I'm accelerating, like, like freeway speeds, going up hills, that kind of thing. So I am not... taking it on my comedy trips right now. I'm doing the safe thing and taking the family van on comedy trips and leaving the potentially dangerous car for my family to drive. It's literally the least I could do. It works fine running around town, uh, but I don't know. I actually kind of like driving the van to gigs. Uh, Obviously, the mileage is about more than 10 miles a gallon less, so that's not ideal, but it's kind of nice to have a bigger car. It's kind of nice to have power windows, power doors. It's kind of nice to hit the accelerator and have it go somewhere, unlike the Kia Rio, which goes zero to 60 eventually. Uh, A little bit later in this exciting podcast, uh, I will be joined by second-time guest Casey McLean. Uh, We had a conversation few nights ago coming back for a gig so I'm gonna uh, I'll play that I'm coming back from uh, Raymond Washington right now I uh, the first 11 years of my life I lived in South Bend Washington which is two miles from Raymond it's the same thing basically so it's a little weird it's a little surreal to like come back uh, to this area. I mean, I have come back before. I, I've done the theater in, in Raymond a few times. Uh, I was at Wild Man Brewing tonight, which is uh, a bit of a downgrade from a theater, but I don't know. I don't know what happened to that theater. I was working with the friends of the Raymond Theater. They were putting shows on that were like, fundraisers to keep the theater going, which is kind of funny, because isn't, like, every business that's open, it's a fundraiser to keep the business going, but anyway, uh, I had a couple of fun shows there at Friends of the Raymond Theater, but I guess that's not happening anymore, 
one of the friends of the Raymond Theater was uh, Mrs. Carlson, my kindergarten teacher, which I could not believe she was still alive. Uh, but she, you know what? Friends of anything, friends of the theater, friends of a library, any group that has friends of in the title, friends of a park, the average age of any friends of group is uh, nearly deceased. That's not a young man's game. The friends of community is not a young man's game. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I did some very specific riffs and crowd work tonight uh, in Raymond uh, about where I lived in South Bend and other stuff. Uh, you look very young. I'm just saying you look very young. How old, how old are you? You what? You're 21? All right. I feel like you're going to say that for the next three years. Like, were you 21 three years ago when you started drinking here? No, you can't have a fake ID in Raymond. Everyone fucking knows who you are. online date in Raymond, can you? Like, you've seen them at the store. Oh at the Dennis Company. Is that <laughs> yeah. I know. This is how I know that. I, until I was 11, I lived in South Bend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's fucking cool now? Only tonight. <laughs> Nowhere else in my life. Yeah, I, I lived in South Bend until I was uh, uh, 11. Do you know, you know, you know, this is so specific. Like, uh, what's it called? Mill Pond? Yeah! That's the house right in front of it. I lived there until I was like 11 years old. Yeah, it's a shithole. It's not... I didn't know it at the time, but then I went back years later and was like, I was living in a sad country song. people talking at the bar loudly that kind of was interrupting everything else and I'm doing uh, three comedy clubs next month in July and uh, I'm going to be honest I'm fucking ready because I've been doing I guess I was in Reno last month but I've been doing so many just rowdy roadhouse gigs and I I like them I like them it's not one or the other but in my mind I'm like I'd rather do these than cruise ships I like them but I'm also like oh 
I need to go back to a comedy club. I need to go somewhere where the staff tells people to be quiet or there's an expectation of behavior. And some of these gigs, and it was fun. It was a really fun show at Wild Man Brewing. But, like, it's not a comedy club staff. So, like, some of the loudest talking people in the room are the staff. Because they're just at work. And what am I supposed to say to them? Hey, will you shut up while you're at work? I'm trying to work right now. I can't. It's their place. So I am looking forward to going back uh, to where God wants me to perform. A comedy club. I went by the old, uh, where I went to church in Raymond. Nazarene Church, and uh, <laughs> it's smaller than my house, or about the same size. I didn't remember it being big, but I remember it being bigger than it is. That kind of freaked me out. I have a lot of very, I have a couple of very burned in memories from that church. Uh, one, actually, I think they, the one that's there now, they built back when I was still there in the 80s. And uh, it was still on the same property. They just moved it over or whatever. So it was like the a different location. And I remember they had those hard church pew seatings. And I was a very small child. And I remember getting candy wrappers stuck so far up my nose during the church service that I was afraid uh, I was going to need medical attention. Actually, I probably didn't even think I would get medical attention. I just thought I was going to die. So, who knows? The pastor's up there talking about Psalm 69 or something, and I'm like, (laughs) trying not to choke to death on a Hershey's Kiss balled-up wrapper. I remember that very vividly. I remember drawing on the pews with crayons and getting in very big trouble when I was really little. Uh, I remember a lady named Merle Apica farted so loud and so long on one of those church hardwood pews that the preacher stopped talking. Like, he was up there like, and then Jesus said, and then Merle was moved by the Holy Spirit and was like, in my mind it was 45 seconds it was probably 4 or 5 but man when you're talking about a fart 40 years later in your life that's an impressive fart R.I.P. Merle that's a name you don't hear a lot anymore this is my baby Merle I also remember one time, like your whole life when you're in church, what happens is after it's over, everyone talks and commiserates and does the social aspect. And, you know, when I was a little older and I was a teenager, that was my favorite part. We, we, we do stuff. Uh, but uh, when I was little, I would just like fuck around. Sorry, I'm telling a church story. I would fart around. Not as well as Merle, but, you know, I did my best. 
I play around like in front of the church, like, you know, a sidewalk, there's a grass yard type thing. This is my memory. Look, there's false memories. You know, there's false memories. One year I thought, I remembered I was a decathlon Olympic champion in the 1988 Olympics. That turned out to not be true. That was not true. That was a false memory. It was a bronze medal. And it was 92. But this is my memory. And I, you know, I moved when I was 11. This, I mean, I couldn't have been more than seven, eight when I had this memory. I'm farting around. I'm part of the church. I pick up some dried gum off the sidewalk. So I am dried gum on the sidewalk picking up age. That's not really a thing you do when your age is double digits. But like I was in the movie Elf, I just picked gum off the sidewalk. I didn't chew it. But I have this memory. I don't know if it was on purpose. I don't know. Okay. So I'm holding the gum. A car is driving by. I throw the gum. And it goes in the open back window of a car driving by. And then... I, my memory is a guy... Walked out. He must have been a neighbor. He had a broom. Unless he's just walking around with a broom. Or I was taking mushrooms and I imagined a wizard with a broom. He wasn't a wizard. Just a Raymond dude with a broom. And he goes, I saw what you did. You threw you threw a rock in the back of that window driving by. It could have hit a baby and killed it. And then he hit me in the ass with a broom. Not super hard. But I got swatted in the butt with a broom. I think he must have said something like there could have been a baby in the back seat. Sometimes I think maybe there was a baby in the back seat. I can, it's a fuzzy memory. Sometimes I think they pulled over and called the cops, but that can't be the case. No one had cell phones then. So it must have just been this guy said you could have killed a baby with that rock, and I probably I probably said nothing, but you know, it wasn't a rock. It was gum. Because in my mind, I could have gone to jail and been executed for my crime. And instead, I got a swat on the butt with a broom. And then I probably ran back inside the church and stuck a candy wrapper far up my nasal canal. God, kids are dumb. At least I was. Olive ate a rock when she was little. My youngest ate a fucking rock. I mean, it was a colorful rock. It kind of looked like candy. But she just ate it. She just swallowed this smooth green rock. Like a decorative rock. And uh, if she hadn't shit it out two days later, she would have had to have a pretty intrusive surgery. But she did poop it out. And I, I remember that because we, at the time, she had like the little those little plastic potty training toilets you put next to the toilet for little kids. And so, you know, she's in there with the, the door open, and then I just hear, like, pop! And I hear a rock hit plastic. 
We reacted like we won a really gross jackpot. Hooray! Our toddler shit a rock out. Could this day get better? One thing I noticed about small towns, Olympia, small enough that we do this too, but like everyone in a Raymond, or not everyone, a lot of people in a town the size of Raymond or South Bend or Forks where I was a couple weeks ago, they like to tell you where they used to live or, or I'm not from here or I used to live, I lived somewhere else for a while before I came back. Like no one wants to admit they're just a small town person living in a small town. I got no judgment for anybody. I'm no better than you, Raymond. I used to go to the dentist company, which is a store that's still open. Yesterday, uh, because I love my wife, I did a show at the uh, Pioneer Elementary School staff end of school year luncheon. That was a lot to fit on the t-shirt, but there were no t-shirts. No budget for it. By the way, I don't, look, I'm, this is not a political statement. I just don't understand like, during COVID, schools got so much money. They got so much money. Like, COVID relief funds and that kind of shit. And now schools, none of them have enough bus drivers. None of them have enough janitors. My wife is a paraeducator. And they're like, yeah, we're probably going to cut your hours next year. Where the fuck did the money go? All right. End of school budget rant. I know they don't have any money because I did the show for free. I did it last year during more COVID-y times. Uh, and then I did, I did do it again this year. You know what? Anyone can work the Pioneer staff luncheon once. <laughs> it takes a real entertainer to be asked back. That's right. That's right. Look, I didn't... It's kind of nice to be able to have my job give my wife something good for her life. That part's kind of nice. It's not that I don't like doing the show. It's thinking about doing the show. That's what I... Tr <laughs> That's the hard part of comedy. It's thinking about... uh. Uh, how long am I going to perform? How weird's it going to be? What jokes did I do last year? Do I need to worry about mixing it up? I can't remember what I did. Uh, you know, obviously I have to be pretty appropriate. It was fine. It's The actual show is fine. It's thinking about those shows that are uh, not stressful, but like just, you know, like, when I go, I have a show in Raymond in three days, that does nothing to my uh, mind or spirit. 
when I go, oh, I have that staff luncheon at an elementary school in three days, part of me goes like, oh, boy, that could be bad. It was not bad. It was kind of hilarious. To, you know, the groundskeeper people are like mowing the lawn and one of those giant lawnmower things. At one point, a, a preschool. Or probably not a preschool. More like a daycare walked past where, where I was performing. Which was uh, also hilarious. You know. You roll with it. I'll keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Is there a final test in comedy college? Right? What is happening right now? It's like you're on a karaoke machine in front of a buffet. There's a lawnmower. You're outside. There's a daycare walking by. <laughs> Never been arrested, but this feels like a parole violation. I don't even know what's happening. I'm starting to think more about... I'm, I'm recording... Uh... Well, I guess two albums, hopefully. July 8th and 9th in Syracuse, New York at the Funny Bone. I'm trying to do a clean album and a regular album. It'll have some crossover material on it. but uh, And look, it's a thing I want to do. It's a thing I'll actually make money from, especially the clean album. I want to do it. I want to make these albums. I want to, you know, the clean one I want to do because I think I can make money because they'll play it on satellite radio. The other one I want to do because I want to document another hour's worth of material. I want to do that. But I also am like, oh God, I have to do that. I don't know why that is. I don't think that's unique to a life in uh, comedy or any of the other arts. It's just things that you want to do. Like, you want to go on vacation, and then you're like, oh, fuck, I have to pack? Ugh. And that's how I feel about organizing the material I want to do for my albums, you know? Here's all the clean jokes I want to do. How many of those jokes are also going to be on the regular album or you know how many of them are better if they're not clean and you know I you know jokes I haven't done in a while but I still want them to be on the album that I have to uh, you know I'm kind of trying to like remember a few jokes that are not in the rotation anymore I just saw a hawk fly by is that good luck is that bad luck I don't know I'm going to say it's good luck If you see a hawk when you're driving out of Raymond, that means uh, six more weeks of summer. Everybody knows that. Every, I mean, I haven't taped that many TV shows, but especially the first one, like, it was Comedy Central. And, uh, you know, I was... The most thrilled 
for anything that's ever happened to me in comedy. I mean, maybe 2004, I won the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Also a massive big deal in my life at that time. I've been doing comedy four years. Um, I thought it would be a bigger deal than it was, but it felt like a really big deal. But in 2009, yes, these are not new stories, but in 2009, when I just very randomly got a phone call that was like, would you like to tape live at Gotham for Comedy Central? It was the kind of moment where I hung up the phone... I actually, like, I did the thing like it was a movie where I just sank to my knees and I started crying. Like, that's how excited I was. It just, you know, it was not on my radar that I was going to be on Comedy Central. Um, it's not now either, but, you know, so it was, it, it was like a very, very exciting moment. And then about a week later, it's just fucking panic. Even though the taping's months away, it's panic of, like, what jokes do I do? Uh, you, you know, I have to pick the perfect set. Will they get this joke in New York? It's just so stressful. And the day of shooting, and it's like, you know, from I hope it's a good crowd to when do I go up to I hope makeup can disguise the zit on my forehead. I mean, when it's over, it's relief. There was like, even though it was a massive, it felt like a massive achievement in my life, I didn't enjoy it. At all. Until it was over. And then I'm like, I did it. You know, I thought my set was okay, I did it. Great. Then it felt really good again. But man, the build-up, you get the good news, that feels good. Then the build-up is stressful. The actual performance is even more stressful. And then you get relief. There's not like... There is no moment in a thing like that where you're on stage going, Man, I'm really doing it. I'm living my dream. You're just so up your own asshole with thoughts and stress that that's not what's happening. I have that sometimes at shows or comedy clubs or if they're going really well, I'll just give myself a second to be like, man, this is really going well. But during a taping or a contest or an audition or anything like that, uh, you really, it's hard to get those moments. When I, when I won the Laughing School Comedy Festival, every show I had a good show, I guess. But almost all of them, because I had to do like four or five shows before, you know, they announced the winner. You have to keep moving on. So it's like top four every night out of 12, move on or whatever. I mean, most of those three, first three or four shows, I didn't think I did that good. Because I was so out of the moment. I was so... I would walk off stage, not like I bombed, but like, I don't know how that went. It felt not that great. And then they would announce me as like the winner. And I'd be like, what? And then some of the other competitors would be like, yeah, of course you won. You crushed. I think you definitely had the best set. And I'm like, I did? I didn't feel that way. It's not really anything you can do about it. 
I'm looking forward to the relief of knowing I've recorded my albums. That'll be great. But the doing, uh, the prep and the doing just makes me want to be like, I just want to have fun. Comedy's supposed to be fun. I don't want to think about this shit. I don't want to pack before vacation. And also I emailed the club because I'm coming in a day early to... I wanted to see if I could get my hotel room a day early. Which I do. Thank you, Syracuse Funny Mo. But he's also like, well, it's a couple weeks out, but ticket sales are light. But during summer, it's a lot of last-minute sales, hopefully. I'm like... And that's another thing where you're like, oh, I'm pinning all my hopes on this one weekend in Syracuse and there's going to be 13 people at every show. In a room that seats 300 probably in a mall but whatever that's actually one of the things uh, you're about to hear me and Casey McLean talk about is uh, I got a list of what is considered appropriate comedy material for the Laugh USA comedy channel on Sirius Satellite Radio uh, which is a pretty funny list. Uh, Casey McLean, of course, uh, ho- I've been on his podcast uh, before many times. This is the second time on the drive home. Uh, Nobody Likes Casey McLean is the name of that podcast. If you would like to hear what we talked about on the drive to the gig, that's on his podcast. And the drive home uh, was mine. So uh, we now join... Casey and Gabriel, already in progress. Mike, one thing that's been happening to me is that happened tonight in Snohomish. It happened in Moses Lake uh, last week, where I just, I say where I'm from, and the crowd just boos me. I right. go, I'm from Olympia, Washington, and they're like, I'm like, come on. It's, it's, uh, I get that it's political, and, but that even makes it dumber. Because it's like, so if you don't like Joe Biden, and you say, I'm from Washington, D.C., and everyone boos you because they don't like Joe Biden, did, are those same, did those same people cheer you when Trump was in Washington, D.C.? Right. It doesn't... I mean, because that's what it's about in Washington State. People are booing me because they don't like the governor. You know, I mean, it's somewhat good natured. They're not literally mad at can me. I, can I tell you this, though? Yeah. And I, because you've never been from Tacoma, and so you don't know. It happens with Tacoma sometimes. That's interesting, too. That's even dumber, because there's no political. Right. What The other one they do, they don't really boo, but they go like, I'm sorry. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I, you have a great line for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I live in Olympia, Washington. Oh, let me look at my list of cities allowed to make fun of Olympia, Washington. All of them. I'll go to the S's. I'm almost not fucking on there. I'm so sorry to report that back to you. Really? What a bunch of assholes in this room. I tell you where 
from? And you're like, well. Alright, buddy. I'm eight generations deep in Snohomish, so I don't even stop at Olympia to pee. Because it's never like Seattle, I wouldn't say that. Right. In Seattle, I actually say. Because Seattle's perfect in every way. I would never disparage sweet mother Seattle. In Seattle, I say, like, oh, I say something sweet like. Sweet birthing person. I go, you know what? You know what Seattle uh, doesn't have that Olympia has? Uh, a house my mother in law owned that she sold me very <laughs> inexpensively. <laughs> like, a lot of people in here are like booing me right now who have four roommates sharing one toilet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I don't. It's not. I'm not literally mad about it, but it's just this trend lately where I'm like, this is so weird. This is so. Uh, we live in the same state. I drove an hour and a half to get here. Right. And you're like, Argh. like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, overall, it's just annoying because it's like, it's annoying. Also, like even. So today, I have a joke that I've been working on about trying to be a good dad at the beginning of being a dad. Like, when my daughter was first born. Yeah. And it threw my fucking, t- like, whole, th- threw a lot off, because people start cheering, or, like, clapping, and I'm like, I'm gonna ruin this. I know. Like, how do you not get that I'm gonna ruin this? Like, you feel some, like, affection towards me for a thing that you should know I'm gonna shit all over. It's- yeah, it's like, it's, it's a reaction it's like you're at a comedy show you know the bottom's gonna fall out of this at some point right uh that's yeah that's a very hilarious reaction you also yeah we were talking about that off air but it was like (laughs) just yeah you you had a joke where they were too patriotic tonight and it fucked up the rest of it i'm sure other times your joke will be too patriotic for a liberal room it's like one of those jokes where you have to like you're literally saying nothing political but it feels that way to the crowd yeah and that's by the way that is like part of the thing i think there's like a tension where people are like when is he gonna say the Mm -hmm. thing and it's like the joke is like it's like straight down the middle hitting both sides like you know the like i'm making fun of my super liberal neighborhood and i'm making fun of conservatives i guess like the yeah it's like basically not actually really not making fun of anyone just like my whole like i don't know yeah everyone's full of shit you're stating facts or at least the facts as presented in the story you're stating like alternative facts yeah yeah i mean you know the truth exaggerated that actually cracks me up that like because you know i'm not above making shit up you know this isn't there's no lie detector hooked up to me while i'm performing i'm I'm here to entertain, but it is funny, like, people, the things people will also ask after a show, it'll be like, are you really married? (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that's Who would, you know, who would make that, you know, do you really have three kids? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing about that is, they they think that you would make up a wife, and then not at the end go, oh, by the way, I'm not even married. Like, not get that punchline, like, oh, fuck, I forgot to do that one. Yeah. I know it, it is, uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, I, the I've only seen you do the joke twice, and it still ended up being fine. But it, it did do better in a different town. So, it, but as time goes on, you'll smooth it out. You know yeah. What I mean, that's that's how it goes with newer jokes. Is like one night you're a hero, the next night you're like, where did it go? I know. I had it. Uh, yeah. 
now, okay, since you're driving, <clears throat> and I'm not, I can't look at screens when uh, I'm driving, I would never text ever mm. when I'm driving. Mm-mm. So I am doing a, uh, I have mentioned before, I'm recording a clean comedy album, and then also a regular comedy album. It'll have some crossover, I think, but um, the, the clean album is the first priority, and the reason is because you can get your clean album played on the, I think it's called Laughs USA channel mm-hmm. on Sirius Satellite Radio, and it pays like, it, play, it pays very well, there's less competition for clean albums. Um, I'm with I'm doing it through this, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, record label, comedy label, yeah. that, that seems to have a really good connection. I know they put out an album that got played like 12 times in its entirety the first week it came out, which is probably more than 10 grand to the artist. Wow. So it's worth doing. You know what I mean? I'm not excited to record a clean album, especially because I have to go to the Seer Here's Funny Bone in at least one of the shows at a comedy club do family-friendly material. But, you know what? I gotta do it. So, I'm asking questions of my label, uh, Ghost Runner Records, by the way, and I go, what is... Like, can I do jokes about alcohol that are clean? What's the... You know, so I got this list from Laughs USA of the of the words look a lot of it is like you know uh, nothing sexually explicit uh, no drug based humor you can talk about alcohol it just has to be clean good news for old boozy Rutledge <laughs> uh, okay no no word list they list the words this is the wow. no no word list ass asshole bastard bitch blowjob clitoris cock Crap? Really? Jeez. Excrement? Whoa. Cum? Cunt? Dick, dickhead, dildo? Douche, dumbass, dyke, fag? I should have said the F word, I apologize. Uh, I was wondering if we were going to get into, like, words that are also offensive. (laughs) Fellatio feck, F-E-C-K. I don't know what that is. Is that... I think it's like fuck. Is that what Mormons say when they're real mad? Yeah. Back it to heck. Uh, fuck. Homo. <laughs> Hooker, masturbation, jizz, motherfucker. I'm going to say the N-word. They just wrote it. Jeez. Full version. Uh, nuts, testicles, pecker, penis, pimp, prick, penis, prostitute, pubic, pussy, rape. <laughs> Sex. Sex. Okay. Slut. This is my favorite one in the whole thing. Schmigma. I'm so sick of people sending in their allegedly clean comedy albums to our channel with all this schmigma material. Hey, you think we don't know? You think we don't know what schmigma is? Uh, spunk. Tit. Turd. Twat. Vagina. And finally, whore. Uh, to round out our fun list. I feel like uh, someone with Tourette just had an orgasm. Uh, <laughs> but some, that one made me, I mean, Shmigma? Have you, this might be actually a reference to George Carlin, but it's uh, that there's a Blink-182 song that goes, 
Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat. This is my, no, well, I can sing. That's literally, it just says that like three times, then it goes, I fucked your mom. <laughs> That's like a whole Blink-182 song. Yeah, they actually, in the little le- letter thing, they, they they do reference the seven dirty words as well. Mm. Um, oh, and also, uh, no, I think the word they used was no defecation material. And then they, they put defecation in different, like, excrement... Yeah, they really don't want a poop joke. And I actually, I have one brief reference. I think it'll be okay. But yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very, it's very funny to like, I mean, I want to know. I'm glad they sent me that letter. That's literally the knowledge I needed to have. But, uh, I think the only word in there, there was one joke where I go, I, I would have used the word testicles mm-hmm. unless that was literally on the list of words I'm not allowed to use. It's so funny to be like, so testicles and the N-word are the same level? Right. You should get like a, an a, amount of points per album or something like that. I you really, get six points. Yeah. The, N-word, the N-word's 40. It's very PG-13 channel I could talk to. It's also, I guess the thing, it, it just confirms my opinion that comedy is kind of just radioactive. I've now said radioactive twice. Once, maybe what do you off. mean? What does that mean? I just mean like, no matter who the comedian is, there's like, somebody's going to be offended by that comedian. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, and not that I'm like, I, I guess like, I only want to be as inoffensive as is required for being booked. And then like, I don't want to be more offensive than I want to be. But... I, so since this is going to be your podcast, I'll talk about it here. My boss found my TikTok recently. Oh, no. <laughs> and I've been, every job I've ever had, very discreet about comedy. I will sometimes tell, like, one or two people. And she's awesome, my boss is. But she's like, I'm so mad you didn't tell me. You're so good, blah, 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 blah. It was, like, very nice. That's good. That's good, but then I'm also like, what you don't understand is that we work with however many hundreds of people, and what you think is funny, you have a great sense of humor, obviously, you like my comedy, you must have a great sense of humor, but um, there's going to be people who are, would not like this, so please, I'm not, I'm not like lecturing her like this, but it's like, the reason is because if you put it in front of 500 people, two people are going to get offended by it, and if it's... 500 people in a comedy club, who gives a fuck? Kick them out. But if it's 500 people in a corporation, yeah. that could be an HR issue, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a challenge for you because of your job. You're, well, it's so funny, until you're a comedian or a musician, no one ever says your day job. It's right. just your fucking job. But then all of a sudden you also get paid to do comedy, and then they're like, what's your day job? Uh, but, it's, it's, you're so right that that, that I guess about radioactive. It's no one is going to be on board for everything. Sometimes in the room, I feel like literally everyone is on board. But once it goes online, and TikTok has toughened me up quite a bit because I'll, you know, I'll have jokes about, um, you know, I have a joke about how I'm the assistant manager of my family that that did pretty well, got 500,000 views or whatever. There's several comments on that. They're just talking about emotional labor and sexism and, uh, you know, what a piece of shit I am and, you know, 
like how you make your wife do everything, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's that kind of thing where you just go, okay, that's the price of 500,000 views. Right. And then the other part of it is like the dry bar has even made me tougher because people watch the dry bar clean clips. They come over. I got a comment yesterday that was like, I came here from dry bar and uh, I liked how you kept it clean over there. And the comment was from Friend in Christ. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I think I, I responded. I'm like, it's a little less clean over here, but thank you, you know. But it's, it is one of those things where you just, it's uh, in person, we kind of go, I want everyone in the room to like me. Online, you're like, there's no fucking way that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I guess the thing to me is, the thing about comedy that's weird, that is not the case, I don't think, for music there's always comparisons between the different things is sometimes the people who like comedy the most also hate comedy the most yeah well especially because of podcasts uh, <laughs> people who are listening to like very popular podcasts like the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge like nobody likes Casey McLean big ones yeah. Uh, or Joe Rogan. We're in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they hear their favorite podcast comedian host with a lot of opinions about comedy. And so they kind of like take that on as their personality. Like, I'm such a comedy fan. I know what's shit and what's not shit. Or you'll see people accuse everyone of stealing. Right. They'll just be, and it's like the premise. You know what I mean? Like, you have a joke about driving, and Tom Segura also did. Right. You know, it's like, they don't even understand, but it's like, that's that's kind of the, uh, what people do now, and it's, yeah, it's very, uh, overall it's good, I want people to know about comedy. I think when I started, literally people would say quite a bit after a performance, like, let's say 2000 to 2005, people would literally say things like, did you come up with all that today? <laughs> like, that was a pretty frequent comment. Right. Uh, I mean, so that's kind of cool, because it was like this magic trick back then. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, I want people to know the process. I want people to know. Well, especially now that you have people that are seeing you for the... I mean, some people yeah. that I know have seen you, you know, in the probably 20s or 30s times. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. And I always... <laughs> I always feel like, uh, you know, I always come up to him and go, I hope you like my new two minutes, but it's, it's probably more than that, but you know what I mean, it's, that's, 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 uh, that's one of those things, I don't know how, like I have, uh, in Syracuse, for all my Syracuse listeners, I'm gonna guess it's zero so far, but maybe not, uh, July 8 and 9 is when I'm recording, mm. and, uh, They already told me ticket sales are light. Uh, nice. <laughs> it's going to be a great weekend. <laughs> but well, I'm sure the town where they get like four weeks of warm weather a year will really turn out on the weekend after. Oh, yeah. First, early July? Only the... That's literally why I'm doing so many clubs next month. It's because, like, oh, it's summer. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because the big headliners are taking the... Yeah, exactly. The, the, but do you... Not that I don't think you're a big headliner. No, you're big to please. me. I am, big a, to me. I am a uh, holiday headliner. I got no... 
depends on the club. But um, I'm easing into the lower end of that role also. Yeah, yeah, where you're like, where you're, they're like, what are you doing Labor Day weekend? I sent a the veils to a club, and I, uh, oh my god, I, should, I knew the moment that they responded too quickly, but I was like, fuck, it's Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I already last year. Like, I'm trying to be a good family member while I still have a day job. A sure. day job and, like, not... And, uh... Because, yeah, I'm going to miss, like, I miss Memorial Day weekend. I was, like, you know, the last two Easters, I'm, like, flying in from somewhere yeah. and fucking... I've got zero sleep under my belt. I'm trying to be personable with my in-laws. And, yeah, I was like, oh, oh no. Man. I got th- Thanksgiving is when I got to take off. And So now I'm just going to have it on every fucking... Avails, just take it off. But. Yeah, you have to. Well, can I commiserate a little bit though about that feeling of I've talked about some podcasts before, but I, I didn't talk about the aspect of coming home, like like you said on Easter, whatever. You sleep ninety minutes at most. You land at the airport. You drive home, and then it's it's not just I'm home. It's you're hosting a thing. Your house is full of relatives, and right. you're just like. I just feel like I'm on drugs. I'm not on drugs, but I'm just like it's this crazy experience, and I'm like, like trying to coax my brain into acting human. Right. I just want to stare at everyone and not talk, but it, that's crazy. I mean, that feeling of like landing in a plane and then you're home and you're like, well, let's cut the cake now or whatever yeah. the event is. Did you read? Um, is it? It's Burning the Light, right? The the um, Sam yeah, Talent book. I did. So there's a part in that where he... T- it's uh, Billy Ray Schaefer is the name of the character. The, there's a part where he talks about, like, early in his comedy career, he would... The moment the last show ended, he would start heading home. No matter where it was, if he's 20-hour drive away, he starts to drive. And, yeah, he's going to stop or whatever. And I... That and... Joey Diaz is like Sunday morning I'm on the first thing smoking out of that city yeah and I think about that all the time and I by the way I'm not bitching about my my wife puts up with a lot there's a lot of sacrifice oh for sure yeah it is a thing that I'm like sometimes I'm like can I get some fucking credit for not taking a 2pm flight and sleeping a full day like I got zero sleep I'm like in a in a this is you know again not my wife's fault make that very clear I'm going to Appleton on I'm leaving technically I'm leaving at 12:30 a.m. Friday morning okay flying to Minnesota where I will <laughs> land at 5:30 I will rent a car in Minnesota drive 4 hours to fucking Appleton hopefully they let me check into my hotel early yeah and I can fucking sleep for a couple hours a couple more hours and then I spend Friday there, Saturday, the moment the show ends Saturday, drive back to Minnesota and get on a plane at like 7 a.m. to be home at, yeah. you know, 8.30 Pacific time. And go to work Monday. Right, yeah. And again, not her fault. No, 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 but it is, it's very, that's, it's that grueling, grinding, that's truly, I mean, it, well, you know, it's like they say about poker, uh tough way to make an easy living it's like that it's like that's it's uh it's a very fun job and i'm i love it that's why i'm still doing it but it is 
that kind of travel is it's so grueling it's so right. uh, you know but then it's also of course the the other thing that's not it's not uh, the reason I'm flying to Minnesota is because flights are fucking insane right now I know and it's amazingly cheaper to spend $200 on a rental car and gas to because I was going to rent a car anyway because we're going to go visit Lambeau Field it's me and uh, Kevin Eggleston now and actually he just got booked on it I don't, I don't even know did not know who the feature was but they got apparently they're uh, they had a death in the family so um, yeah, I didn't know that motherfucker so uh, <laughs> I'll give a shit by the way this is like I'm doing this like it's my podcast this that's, is your podcast that's what right. am I interrupting I don't know uh, <laughs> because we did your podcast on the way to the carry because <laughs> my the po- drive there the, yeah my podcast is not called the drive to there yeah uh, that would be stupid if we did ridiculous but yeah it's uh well you can't it's also like you're headlining a comedy club in Appleton Wisconsin and that's fucking amazing right that's like so you know not that long ago beyond the realm of things you thought would be happening and so it's also like amazing uh but it is it's also like with every new level comes a little bit of disillusionment or you're like oh this is even harder yeah yeah, that's true (laughs) but it's also like there was a thing that circulated uh I think it was like a month ago. Somebody wrote an article about it was like the need for a comedy union, one of those things. And I've been doing comedy since 2000, and every two years there's this article, mm-hmm. and it's about you know they talk about it. I think they were talking about some club in Phoenix specifically, but it's like you know all these packed out shows, and the middle act gets like whatever 50 bucks a show for the week with no hotel and you know it's not sustainable no one's making money and I mean I think one thing that the article didn't mention is the person they're opening for probably made 15 grand right (laughs) so that kind of changes the math from the club's perspective but how this ties into what you're saying is it's like yeah that's no one doing this is doing it because it makes any fucking economic sense. No no one is doing comedy. It, it feels like an internship almost at every level. So so it's like you don't go, hey, I'm working this big club in Phoenix and they're only paying me $50 a set and I'm really funny and this club's making a ton of money and it's ridiculous I'm not making more money. You go, this is fucking great. I'm middling at this great club in Phoenix, probably for a famous person. Right. I have dreamed of this day. And then by the time you get to a point in your career where you go, I cannot work for $50 a set anymore, there's a new person right behind you. It's not, there will never be a strike or a comedy union or or any sort of solidarity about wage because it's, I don't even think we could agree as a group you know what I mean if it's like everyone should get this amount of money and then you look at the guy next to you and be like oh me and him get paid the same fuck right. this so it it, but that that idea keeps getting circulated I mean there was like a famous comedy strike at the comedy store in the 80s or whatever 
I think um, there was one in New York too. Yeah, and I think they got more money. And yeah, they should. But that's, I mean, obviously, like, there is, that's different in that, like, the, those people are working there five nights a week, every week, you know, and they're not getting, they're getting that pay that we talked, that you talked about for the opener, that's what they're getting for show. Yeah. There, that's what they fought to get there. Yeah. In the most expensive cities in the world, you know. Yeah, literally. I think maybe at a certain fame level, like I doubt Chris Rock has taken this seventy-five dollars from right. the Comedy Cellar or whatever. Maybe it's more than that, but it is like it's the biggest comedians in the world making fifty to a hundred dollars a set in New York City, which is kind right. of hilarious, actually. Uh, but I bet they do take it. I would always take it. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I mean, uh, if what? Yeah. I, the thing about the comedy union to me is I've never heard anyone bring it up that was in a position where they had like a real grasp on what like even middling oh jeez uh, what even middling like what did I just completely ignore that get in the left thing I believe he did what the fuck I'm hammered <laughs> uh, we no. have 48 beers at that club oh I mean I, yeah I went light tonight sorry I thought it, I did. I thought you were drinking light too, but um, yeah, it's like so often it's just someone who just has like that is so far away from middling or headlining. Yeah, they've been doing. Yeah, exactly. They've been doing comedy for a minute, and and that's all. I have a very good friend who's a comedian. Who we had this discussion like back when I was like emceeing. And it was, like, basically what he was describing was, like, an agency. But, like, this happens all the time. It's happening right now. I'm aware of a... It'll be, like, this is the open mic union or whatever. Yeah. And it's, like, okay, like, what is this going to be then? Like, is instead of doing being funnier, you're going to, like, focus on organizing and union dues and fucking... Uh, or it's, like, this is a co-op. Yeah, fine, until one person has a fucking gig outside of the co-op, and then they're going to take that gig, and I don't know. Well, and it's also, it's just like, <laughs> there's, there is a extremely poor person living in a dilapidated trailer without electricity on the outskirts of a town somewhere, who is like... There's no fucking way they should raise the minimum wage. Right. Because they don't think they're going to stay there. Right. It's like, that's kind of the American thing. We're like, we, most of us, shouldn't give a shit about how much rich people are taxed. It's never going to concern us. Ever. Well, we, the only, we should only care about getting more of their money. Yes, but that idea of like, you know what? Whatever. I work at Walmart. I make fifteen dollars an hour, and uh, I am I get angry because people want to tax Jeff Bezos more or whatever. It's that idea of like we're gonna be there someday too, and we don't want our money taken. Right. You know. And I think I think comedy has that same idea where it's like it's like an open mic union, fine, but like. You don't want to be doing that two years in. You don't want to be an open mic comedian. You know, right. it's like everyone thinks they're going somewhere, and, and you're probably going 
somewhere. It might not be as far as you think, but like it's 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 that idea of like uh, I guess I see both sides. There are clubs that I wish paid more, specifically the middle. I think I wish they paid more. The traveling middle is kind of dying, and I don't think that's good for comedy. Uh, and what I, I guess that's a little inside talk, but like the middle act, you know, MC middle headliner. 10, 15 years ago, you could be the middle act at a ton of comedy clubs. You weren't making a lot of money, but you were hanging in there. You know, you sold enough shirts. And it's like, now the headliner is usually famous. They bring their own opener. They don't have room for you. Uh, it costs $600 in flights to make $450 to be the middle act. Right. It's like, it's just not, it's tough. It's not, but it's, it's one of those things where never reached national prominence without the without the um, 
without the universal basic issue. Yeah, that was his thing for sure. But also, it's the way that he's talked about it is so silly. Where it's like, it's not. My problem with it is, it's the Chris Rock getting a seventy-five dollars thing. Yeah. It's it's for everybody, and so what that's gonna of course lead to, we've seen, is inflation, and who gets hit the hardest by inflation? Poor people. Sure. So I'm what I do think I kind of I really do actually agree with you on the artist thing, um, and also this is by the way you said the, the thing about it being like an internship when I talked to my wife early into into doing comedy and I had started to get paid a little bit, but I was also like I took journalism classes in college, I took broadcasting classes in college. The path into both those things is unpaid internships. Yeah. And I just could never afford to do that. So I took these classes. It was what I wanted to do at the time. Well, with comedy, one, I have one of the best clubs in the country is right down the street. And they like me. This can be my internship. Yeah. And so I viewed, like, the early... So all the stuff I learned taking those classes about what, like, a radio intern would do and what a journalism intern would do, the fucking grunt work, the for free, all that stuff that is usually only available to, like, elite, the children of elite parents, basically. Yeah. I did with comedy. And part of the reason it was possible is because I was able to work during the day and then do my quote-unquote internship at night. Yeah. But so the thing about Yang that bugged me was that I also think like he certainly pushed the conversation forward, and I'd be scared to think of what the pandemic would have looked like in a world where we were not given some sort of relief from the, the early right. on strife, you know? Well, we we did we got universal income, right? Basically, and I guess like you said, we're paying for it now. Yeah, and I, I always get annoyed with this when they'd be like, well, Canada got this, and whatever got this, and uh, in the United States, they think we could live off $1,200 for six months, and I'm like, I know people who are getting like three grand a month for this whole time. That was such a, look, it was kind of clunky, and it was never that organized. In the but it was that, but the, the thing about it that I think actually makes sense is it was for the people that needed it, not for everybody. Because in Canada, though, like, they did it for everybody. In the United yeah. States, it was, if you lost your job, yeah, here's some money. Well, the, yeah, that was such a, you know, it was a meme, right? We yeah. got 1200 bucks. It's so not true. It's, right. it's so not true. But it's also, <laughs> like, from the business aspect, I mean, I myself got, like, a large loan I did not have to repay. But if you notice how many... How many theaters who had no performances in them before 18 months are being remodeled right now? Right. And it's a ton of them because they all got money. Like, people who own businesses, if they were smart about it, comedy clubs too. It went from, I don't know if we're going to stay open, to like, oh, fuck, we did pretty good. Yeah. You know, so it, and I'm not mad about that, but it's also like, um, that that idea that like uh, we didn't get enough aid, like uh, you know, it, it's almost like by the time we got our last aid thing, I mean it's like yeah I'll take it, but like really, 
Right. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I'm working again. All, you know, not like I was, but it was like, it, it, it did feel, uh, it felt weird. And it's also, like, one thing that also changes, like, the whole idea. And I think it's still true in the future, but, like, everything's going to be so automated. And now it's, like, literally, you can't find enough employees for any job anywhere. <clears throat> well, and I, by the way, I think that's, that situation is uh, writing itself right now. I think it is harder to find a job now. I mean, maybe like labor jobs and working. Yeah. Like, but um, you said a thing on your podcast a couple weeks ago, I think. You were talking about getting the IRS was like, you fucked up on your taxes. Yeah. And then did you owe more money? Yeah, we had to pay. We thought we were getting a refund, and then they said you'd fill it out wrong and you owe us money. I cannot believe this happened to us because it happened like the day this happened. I was listening to your podcast. They sent us a fucking letter, and they were like, you didn't do the child tax credit thing right. Here's 300 extra dollars. <laughs> you got my money! Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, I'm i like, the child tax credit thing, I don't even know. I, like, didn't even know it was coming. Because we're fine. Like, we're, you know, yeah. they, they that, like, and by the way, I hate the guy, but, like, really floated us through the parts that were the scariest. You know, like the the uh, Trump did. Yeah. I mean, I think we... I kind of forget. The only reason I haven't forgotten all the way is because I keep looking at the book I wrote during that year. Uh-huh. And it's like, looking back, you're like, oh, we got this, we got that. But, like, those first few months of, like, whatever, half the jobs were just gone, where, like, what are we going to do? You right. know, it was like a pretty, uh, so I, I don't know, it's, I, that's one of those things where it's like, whatever we did right or wrong as a society or whatever, it's like, yeah, okay, we had a once in a century pandemic, and let me guess, we didn't handle it perfectly. Yeah, that right. actually makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Whatever side of any issue you were on, it's like, that's your expectation that we would just no country killed it dude no no one did great right well and I, and I mean of course like the it's there's been more deaths with Biden as president than Trump as president and there's like the the this, 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 oh, this guys oh, I got people coming up behind me come on buddy figure out which lane you want to drive this guy's weaving all over the lanes he had one of those 48 beers I think I believe he did he has a Wazoo license plate. That's a. It's on brand. Yeah, that's <laughs> he drank seventy-five bush lights. <laughs> you so, I don't. I mean, I, I'll uh, I'll admit here in this public forum that I've driven intoxicated before. It's been many years. And then there's like that that uh, God who has a joke about that. Somebody I has a great... Oh, it's Chris Porter has a fucking amazing joke about driving drunk. Where he's like, I don't drive drunk, but... There's, like, a middle ground. You know, there's, like, a gray area that's, uh... And I've definitely been in, like, the... Yeah, I can tell I've been drinking. I've had... Okay, let's... Look, overall, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm pretty hardcore about making sure I don't get a DUI. Mm -hmm. But there, there are a couple, I've had a few times in my life, and I don't, there's not a person on the planet, I don't think who, if they're being honest, 
wouldn't admit this. There's been a few times in my life where I've been like, I feel fine, but God, I hope I don't get pulled over because I don't know what I'm going to blow. That's right. happened a few times. And I actually had, I had one time where after I got home, I was like, I can never do that again. I, but I got lucky. Nothing happened. It wasn't. It was actually <laughs> during the day because we had <laughs> we had an employee meeting on a Sunday at the Mexican restaurant I worked at, and we all just got plowed. We were just drinking so much that we're like, I didn't even think about it. And then I was just like driving home, like, oh, this is bad. Uh, so, but that scared me so much that I've been like. Because that was, you know, so many decades ago. That right. scared me so much that I've never even come close to having that happen again. Yeah, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty boring when it comes to, to drinking and driving. I mean, it, it's funny to say, like, yeah, I'm pretty boring when it comes to that thing that kills <laughs> a lot of okay. people over here. That's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what I, uh, a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I wonder is, like, that guy, I've also had the thing where, like, whether it's alcohol-related or just because I'm on my cell phone, all the bad things, where I've been like, oh shit, they're, you know, I kind of like divert from the lane for a minute. That guy yeah. was like, he had to be feeling those fucking, those yeah. turtle shell things for like a lot. He's like in and out of the lane over and over and over again without really seeming to correct it in any way. That It's actually kind of terrifying when you drive home late at night. Uh-huh. Uh, look, let's say I have a show in Seattle on a weekend, and I'm driving home. I've thought about this about you many times. It's people are weaving all over the fucking road. People are like, uh, I remember one night there was kind of traffic for construction reasons, and this guy, he just kept ramming the car in front of him. I was behind the guy, but it, like it would be like you know you're going 20 miles an hour. Everyone stops. Not this dude. Bam! But it was so weird. No one got out of the car. No one... No confrontation. No pulling over to the side. He did it like four times. Wow. It's just... So it is... It's kind of scary in the way that like New Year's Eve, I'm like, I'm not going to drive. You know what I mean? It's too nuts out there. It's... Anything oh, you can see Gabriel Rutledge and Casey McClendon at Tacoma Comedy Club, New Year's Eve. I will be getting a hotel room now. I, mean, I think I might too. Uh, so I will be drinking... Uh, but, but yeah, it's actually kind of, it's kind of terrifying. And also the, just the, the amount of people who are on something besides alcohol right. is fairly high too. And even the, you know, there's this sort of stereotypical joke of like, what are you going to do if you drive high? Like go too slow or wait for the stop sign to turn green or, and it's like, I don't think that's much better. Like, if you're baked out of your mind, I don't see how that is any safer. Well, I will say I do think it's safer because I think you're cautious. Well, you're, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're more cautious, less aggressive. I don't aggressive, think it's good, though. Less confident. Yes. Uh, I do think that, I or this is a stat that's always stuck with me, is that it's like at 2 a.m., 85% of the people on the road are legally now, is it true? Is it not true? Did it come to me in a dream? I don't know. But it it stands to reason. Why else would they be out that late? Right. And so, yeah, you would... 
There's not I'm, that many comedians. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and I, a lot of them are drunk, too. But uh, Absolutely. I, you, I have a, you and I, I think, have a similar uh, habit with alcohol when it comes to comedy, which is I don't go, I don't drink before I go on stage. I might have a beer or two beers at a place. Always, my rule is, like, never more than three beers at, a, at the comedy club. Never more than three drinks. Unless it's a special circumstance like... On the road, and the club is close enough to the hotel that I can easily yeah. walk. And then maybe, yeah, maybe that'll be like the place. If it's fun, if it's the right environment, I'll do that. What I probably, what I'm more likely to do, and we've done this before, is go back to the hotel, have a beer or two beers there. If I plan on, you know, these are like that's a five beer night. That's still yeah. like a pretty. Yeah. That's a pretty for a lot of people. That's a very heavy drinking night. You know. Uh, Sounds very reasonable to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, anyway, but I think about it all the time because when I do the leave a city the moment the show's over, most of the time that's like midnight. Well, look, I am a fan of drinking, but I, in the game that I like to play called, uh, well, how do we explain this to the aliens? <laughs> How, when they're like, wait, people, drinking makes you drive really bad, people crash all the time, and you're like, so you serve people till 2 a.m., and they get, and then you let them get in their car, and the, you know, it, there is no reasonable explanation for, that it happens, other than like, uh, it's up to us to be responsible, and not all of us are, right. but, it, but it's like, yeah, it's insane, it, I even think that sometimes when I, I show up somewhere, especially because they think the comedians are here, they're probably giant boozers, and usually we are, but it's also like, you know, uh, when I'm going home that night, you know, it's not even a hotel situation, like tonight, you know, I'll, I'll go to a, and they'll just be like, what do you want? You want whiskey? You want? I'm like, no, I have to go home. Am I a nerd? Right. Am I? Am I such a dork that I'm like, I don't want to drive home drunk? Is that? And then they look at me like, you know, like I'm a Mormon or something. I'm like, can I wait till I get home to drink? Like, I know. It is. It is kind of weird. Uh, that just that drinking culture of like, what are you being safe? What an asshole. There's also like a thing. I'm gonna use a, another vocab word, like a, a brassy tattooed lady. <laughs> that's like overcompensating for something, and has to be like, "Oh, you're not taking whiskey shots, you pussy!" And I'm like, yeah. "I hate you. Like, I don't. I like, you're the most annoying person." Uh, and I, there's, I think there's a version of that with men, but in my in my experience, I think the reason. I don't personally encounter that. And it's not to say that I'm, like, a badass. But I'm big enough of a person that there's, like, a... Th you can't just say that. You can't just yeah. call a dude you don't know a pussy as a yeah. guy, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... Yeah, that's, uh... That's... Yes, there is, a Not as often talked about female privilege. Yeah. <laughs> of saying really rude shit to men without as much threat of like would you say this is not gonna happen right I mean? it's it's the it's the classic like nobody wants to have the discussion but like they'll be like
again, you don't have to walk around constantly worried about being a victim of violence, and you're like, no, I, I'm way more likely to be the victim of violence than you are. Like, it's maybe not going to be as devastating. Like, it might be more of a fair fight. It's in a different, it's a different way, but yeah, I mean, I, I a thousand years ago, I had that joke of, I had a joke that was like, every, every time I've almost been in a fight, it's because there's a four foot eight girl right next to me going, fuck you! All right. And, and that is true. It is, uh, uh, I'm like, they're not gonna, they're not going after you. Right. You know? I'm with you, fellas. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I do think about, uh, I mean, we're, we're in a, uh, a business where, uh, you know, the amount that we drink is considered being very professional. Right. And I appreciate that because there's been some other businesses, uh, that would not be the case at all. And also shout out to sober comedians. I mean, I don't want to hang out with them, but <laughs> it must be very difficult to leave. Because, like, I'm sober. I'm the sober person enough in a bar around other drunk people that I know how annoying that is. Yeah. And when that's always the case, just to have to be around alcohol, to have to see a bunch of idiots all the time, and you're always sober. Uh, that's how powerful alcohol is. You do all that, and then some of those people are like, God, I really want to fucking put that in my body. You have to be around all these morons, and then they're like, I'm compelled to fucking ingest this. There's, like, there's nothing more annoying than a really, really drunk person. And I, I yeah, it, it's, it's, uh... <laughs> That's what I like about you, Gabe, is I think we are very alcohol compatible. <laughs> I think we like some of the same things. Uh, I think the things that I like that you don't like, it's not a problem. You don't, I don't think you like IPAs. No, you know. Does, uh, well, I think you're enough Mi- of an alcoholic to drink. Does so. Michelob Ultra make an IPA? <laughs> I haven't looked recently. We both like whiskey, and yeah. that's and then there's like a you know I'm at like a five drink night man. I had a I I had like a really beautiful and like appreciation of comedy uh, in February. I was with Ben Bailey in Oklahoma City, which Ben Bailey plays. A relatively small role in this, but I, um... Uh, host of Cash Cab? Host, yeah, host of Cash Cab. Follows me on Twitter along with, like, 200,000 other people. I noticed that, yeah. He, and then I was like, hey, great weekend. And I was like, there's 200,000 people. He's probably getting DMs constantly. He, uh, responded. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. And he, we had, like, so many cool stories because he's from New York at the time when you and I both care about New York comics. Like, sure. the tough crowd era. <laughs> but, um... But, uh, I'm, like, buzzed, not drunk, White Claw, Maker's Mark Neat in front of me, club paying for it, and I'm, like, this is, like, a beautiful, I'm, like, at the perfect level of intoxication, two full drinks, no, like, place to be, don't have to wake up early, and it's, like, this is, like, the moment that I've that's what I always want in comedy. It's like that. Yeah. And that's... Great conversation, by the yes. way. Je- uh, Jeff Baldinger was the other... Uh, he was emceeing in a thing where he probably... he I think he was expecting to feature. Oh, shit. That's happened to me a bunch of times in the last year. And then that like that host is selling merch still. It's like, oh, oh, that's man, so I'm, so I'm not going to 
fucking sweet spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Combined with comedy where you're like, uh, you know, you're in a place that you would only be because you do comedy. You're drinking for free because you only do comedy. You're talking to Two miles. people you only know because of comedy. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you're tipping with money you made from merch. It's like, yeah, you're like, this is, I didn't do this because I like drinking, but like, man, this is great. Yeah. This is, this is a, you know, a moment in time you wish you could freeze a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's um, a, it's a, this is like, it's gonna, this is gonna sound crazy, but it's a similar amount of contentment. And it was also, by the way, to be, like, present enough with that level of intoxication to go, like, this is fucking cool right now. Yeah. And to not ruin it also by pointing it out to everybody else. But, uh... This <laughs> is a great guy. Yeah. I had this moment a couple days ago where I'm, like, my daughter, it's the morning. It's actually uh, not the day that I dropped the phone on her head, but the day that I dropped the phone on her which is a joke that I've been telling. Uh, but it's, like, that... Now I'm, like, trying to really soak in the moments where she, yeah. she, like, wakes up in the morning and we just, like, sit and watch Sports Center together. She's, like, laying against my chest and it's, like, she's drinking milk, I'm drinking coffee. And we're just, like, you know, both quietly watching Sports Center. It's, like, what a cool, like, I'm, I'm able to go, like, in that moment go, this is, like, I'm gonna fucking remember this. How cool this was at this age where she, like, still loves me. She, like, I'm amazing to her, you know what I mean? Yeah. She I, wants to do the shit that I like. It's great. And that's also, like, it doesn't... You know, part of the specialness is how temporary it is. Mm-hmm. And there are... I mean, I didn't even know I was going to have three kids. But by the third one, there was this... This feeling of, like... Oh, at a certain point, I will never hold a child again. Right. Because they will be... You know, especially throw them up on your shoulder. You know, when she got big enough to do that, I mean, we're still affectionate. We hug all the time, but it's not, you're not picking up right. your toddler, you know? So, and it's like when that goes, you're like, fuck. Well, I also think there's like a weird thing where I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm, uh, I think I'm doing fine. I think I'm doing, you know, learning from my parents' mistakes and also, trying to do everything good they did, etc. And, um, I'm, I think about it, I'm like, there becomes an age where, like, certainly me being shirtless in my underwear in our living room and my daughter laying against me is weird. I, my, I think I had a shirt on. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. there's a point where that's like, there's just like, it's just gonna become, like, different. <laughs> At some point she's gonna be a woman. And if my yeah, 25-year-old daughter is cuddling up against her shirtless dad, we got a fucking problem. Hey, I <laughs> I did I very specifically remember the time I go, "Well, we can't take baths together anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, I mean they were very young, by the way. They're very yeah. young. I, you know, it's not like uh, my daughter the other day, I'm so like it's funny. It's oh man, this is cute parenting stories are like I feel like nobody that wants them. Uh, it's like you're talking about your fantasy football league. <laughs> nobody cares about your fantasy football league nearly as much as you do. But I was peeing and my daughter walked in and she goes, why does it do that? And I was like, <laughs> and ever since that day, I've been like, 
if I'm using the bathroom, I'm like, I need privacy. So you gotta go out there. And now she wants privacy. And I'm like, oh, we did it. We fucking ruined it. You know, like, uh, yeah. she's, and it's not like I can go like, you know what? I don't actually want you to want privacy. You know, I want her to want privacy. It's like a natural, you know, maturity. She understands that this is a thing that you do in private. So we, you know, leave the door cracked open so that if, it, if she falls off the toilet, which has happened, like, I hear. But, yeah, you're like, it's just funny, those, like, things. You're like, I didn't even care about that at the moment. And I'm like, oh, I missed the time when she was like, Dad, I need you in here. I need, you know. Yeah, I know. It, it's, uh... It goes quick, but it's also... I mean, it kind of has to go quick because you can't, you know, you want her to have less needs as time goes on, obviously. Yeah. But it is, I actually got busted today. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't shut a door. And when I was going to the bathroom, there was no one around. And then all of a sudden, everyone was around. Everyone oh, was wow. around. And my only defense was, because um, they were like, Dad, shut the door. And I was like, in my defense, I was potty trained in an outhouse. Is that true? Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> and also like a... Fuck. That would be like maybe neglect. Like we neglect lived out in the woods. That's what we had. We had no plumbing. When God. I was... When I was... Uh, I don't remember this. Do you have a birth certificate? Uh, well, I have several. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do, but they got it years later. Oh it my God. What Retroactively fucking... got birth certificates. That's so crazy. Which is why my... Uh, yeah, it's... It's... Uh, my brother got one when he was like four, so he got to pick his middle name. Oh my god! <laughs> and then we have Gabriel Antelope. Yeah, I didn't get to pick. He just slapped me with the antelope. Uh, my brother picked Daniel. Very lucky. Wow, kind of a dorky one if you get to pick. This. I know. I think I had a very early joke about that. Like, how did you not pick? Like, I mean, ba- Batman. Yeah, exactly. So Why are you not picking Batman? Uh, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember him being potty trained in an outhouse, but it is true. Wow. that's It's kind of funny to imagine them buying, like, a modern plastic child toilet seat and then putting it over a hole, you know? Does this <laughs> yeah, fit, like, totally. standard-sized holes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, got a Mickey Mouse rim yeah. on it. It's, like, over this giant hole filled with turds. How disgusting. My daughters won't even go. They had to go to the bathroom so bad. And we were driving home from somewhere. And the only thing was like one of those outhouses like at a park. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, they're like hopping up and down. They have to go to the bathroom. And then they both look in there and they go, nah. Oh, it's so funny. There used to be on a, my wife went to school in Ellensburg. And I used to visit her. And there was, it's gone now. But they used to have just a hole you pissed in. Like, it's like 15 (laughs) feet down. It's like, you know, whatever. It's like an outhouse. There's like a toilet seat on top. But you're like, this is just down into the fucking nothing. It's the the poopy abyss, you know? <laughs> and I miss it. Is that dude days. always hanging out in front of your house? No, he seems fun, though. He seems like a good dude. Yeah. Can't wait to get to know him. I was. So we're at my house. I turn off the directions. The other day I was walking by and a uh, woman goes, you got anything to smoke? Like out of her car. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. We're done. We did it.